I'll just briefly tell you, I was not raised in Pentecost. was raised in uh, another denomination, never been to a Pentecostal service. But my parents just developed a hunger for the Lord, and my mom and some of her sisters started having prayer meetings in their home. And so they began to receive the Holy Ghost in their homes. Amen. And uh, uh, through, a, through a process, amen, we came uh, into uh, where I am today. Praise the Lord. And I just believe that God can just reveal to you what he wants in your life if you're hungry. Praise God. I, I didn't even know how to spell Pentecost, but God brought Pentecost to my family. Amen. The Armstrongs were a rough bunch. My uh, dad's uncles and all of them had been alcoholics for years. My dad's two stepbrothers were the biggest drug addicts in town, in and out of jail all of their life. But my dad let the word of God change him one day. He repented of his sins. He was baptized in the name of Jesus, washing away all of that generational curses. And he received the Holy Ghost and he raised us from just a small child me and my brother in, in the church. And so instead of me being in jail today, I'm here preaching the word of the Lord. And my brother is preaching the word. And my son is preaching the word in Tennessee today. And my grandson just got the Holy Ghost this year. Whereas I should have been in jail. I'm telling you, the word can change us. Praise God. I pray that the word would touch us today. That the word of God would prick our hearts that we could say, what shall we do? And God will speak to us today. Oh, hallelujah. I just feel such a kindred spirit with you today. So let me read the scripture, um, Psalms chapter 16 and verse 1. Just one scripture text I want to read to you today. I love the book of Psalms, and I love David. David said, preserve me, O God. Everybody say, preserve me. David's praying. He said, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Amen. I simply want to talk to you today just on the subject, preserve me. Preserve me, praise God. Of all of the Old Testament Bible characters, David is one of my favorites because David is just kind of like us. And he has ups and downs in his life, but what I really love is he doesn't try to hide them. He is just open and honest with all of his struggles and his sins and everything. But he's up and down like maybe I am at times. One day, you know, he's on, on the mountaintop with God. He's ready to charge hell with a water pistol, you know. And then the next day, he's crying like a little baby in the corner hiding, you know. Some days, he's the warrior, poet, king, shepherd, all in one. Then another day, he'd be scared and paranoid running for his life. Sometimes it happened on the same day. Amen. Can anybody identify with that? I can. That's one reason I, I love David. In one chapter, Psalms chapter 3, he could go from, verse 1 says, Lord, how they are increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. And then by the time you get to verse 3, he says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Amen. So he could, he could be up and down like most of us. He had his share of trouble and failure. But David's compass always pointed him back to the Lord. David gives me hope because the story of his life is real. It's filled with promise and problems. And it gives us insight into the spirit. And it lets us know that even kings 
and apples of God's eye still struggle with our own flesh. But David had a theme in all of his life of the Lord keeping, preserving, and sustaining him. Listen to what he said in Psalms 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. He always remembered through those tough times that God could keep him through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe David was having one of those days in Psalms chapter 16 when he said, Preserve me, O God. So I was curious and I looked up the word preserve in the Hebrew. I'm certainly not a theologian. I barely speak good English. It's more like redneck English. But I do know how to operate a Strong's Concordance. And... The word is shamar, which means to guard, to give heed, to have charge of, to protect, to retain. But the primary meaning is the word keep. When David said preserve me, it means keep me, O God. And it's actually a gardening term. It's the same, use, the same word used in Genesis 2 and 15 when the Bible says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. You could almost say to preserve it. Amen. So a preserve. What is a preserve? People go to all kind of trouble to preserve uh, an animal that's on the verge of extinction. That's why they call it a wildlife preserve. People want to preserve certain birds. Apparently not pheasants around here. But anyway, uh, certain, uh, you know, lands or ancestral ways. And, and I understand all of that. Webster's Dictionary says preserve means to keep from harm or injury, to keep up or maintain. But it also, this definition really jumped out at me. It says to prepare food so as to resist decomposition or fermentation. So it's a gardening term, and it's used to uh, prepare foods so that they resist decomposing. Now, for all of the centuries before refrigeration, uh, people would preserve food in, in the old ways. They would uh, put them down in, you know, in, in caves and in, uh, and in cold water or in the, in the cellar. Or, or if you're like me, I remember when I was growing up, my mom, Ken, used to uh, preserve fruits and vegetables and things like that from canning. Anybody remember that? And uh, so, I, in fact, I remember my grandparents used to call it putting up the harvest, because when the garden was in, uh, they didn't want to eat it all right then, and so they would uh, prepare uh, for the winter by putting up the harvest. There's nothing as good as fresh fruits and vegetables, but the next best thing is to preserve them. When you keep or can fruit, they're called preserves. The Bible often uses the metaphor of fruit to describe the produce of our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 and 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And, of course, we know as God's people we're supposed to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, that is the fruit that we produce. But it's one thing to produce it. But if we don't preserve it, 
then we may not have anything to sustain us on these rough days that David and you and I experience. It's one thing to call on the Lord in an instant. It's one thing to feel God at Jesus' church on Sunday afternoon. But on Tuesday morning when life happens, it's another thing. Amen. And I believe God wants to preserve some things in our life here today. Praise God. Amen. I believe God wants us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to be able to recall, amen, the things that God speaks to us. I believe there's some trials coming. Amen. Each of us has a a target on our back that the devil's after us. But I believe that when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. God's going to preserve some people here today. Amen. This is not going to be the mountaintop. You're going to find the mountaintop in your battle. Praise the Lord. God's going to help us here today. Amen. I believe that. Praise God. Amen. And so I, I was thinking about that canning process. And, and I didn't, you know, as most boys, I didn't pay attention to my mom, you know. And even my, my wife, we had a garden when the kids were little. And uh, now I'm a grandparent. You know, my kids are grown out of the house. And, and so I, I look back on those days kind of fondly as when the kids were little and we had a little garden and my wife, we put up some vegetables, and finally we figured that's too much trouble. Just go to the farmer's market. Forget about it. But uh, anyway, I remember some of that. But I didn't pay attention of, uh, to the whole process of canning. Uh, so I did what any good preacher would do. I Googled it. And uh, so I discovered some interesting things. Um, and, uh, but one thing that I never realized, and this was a great revelation to me, and I just want to share it with you here today. Maybe you've... You, you know this, but I did not know this. I discovered, does anybody here know? If you do, don't yell it out. Just act like the guest preacher is so brilliant. Oh, this is awesome, okay? But do you know the difference between jelly and jam and preserves? Oh, good. Nobody knows. Okay. All right. Neither did I. So here's the difference. The first one is jelly. Jelly has no fruit in it. Amen. You you actually boil the fruit and you or and, and you just basically get juice out of it. Anybody remember Curly on the Three Stooges? You know, they used to take a chicken and hold it over a pot and just pour hot water on it. You know, and, and the water would come down and they, that was chicken soup. Well that's kind of like what, you know, jelly is. It's just there's no, you know, there's no fruit. It's just, you know, uh, it it kind of tastes like uh, uh, fruit. It's not bad. I mean, I, I I eat jelly, you know, peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it's actually pretty good. But you don't have any solid, you know, bits of fruit. There's no chunks of fruit in there, really. It's a, Some might say it's a byproduct of the fruit. It's kind of like people who hang around the fruit. But they really don't have any actual fruit in their lives. Jesus actually said, you'll know people by their fruits. Kind of like Judas, he hung out with the people who had fruit. He hung out with the disciples. But when the woman broke the box of perfume and anointed Jesus uh, for his burial, instead of uh, him having goodness and understanding and love, he wanted to know why this waste was made. Instead of having real fruit, he wound up betraying Jesus and turned him over to the ones who crucified him. He was so close to the real fruit but didn't have it inside. Judas was just jelly. I think we can probably surmise that Demas, who hung around Paul for a long time, 
sort of his disciple. He, he hung around fruit. He, he was a, Paul was the real fruit, but Paul wrote that Demas eventually forsook him. He had forsaken me, Paul said, having loved this present world. He was so close to the fruit, but yet he, he didn't preserve it. He had no fruit in him. Demas, that's jelly. There's a lot of people today that just enjoy hanging around the church and get a good taste of the fruit. They, they smell like fruit because they're hanging around that. But when you really get to look at they're just jelly. You can watch religious programming on television all day long, and, 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 and it's almost just like pouring water over a church and thinking that's really church. Amen. It's just jelly. Amen. Being a moral person and, and doing good works is great, but folks, it's just jelly. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want something a little more than jelly. Praise God. I want something with substance. Amen. Everybody say just jelly. Then number two, jam. Jam actually does have fruit in it, but it's just, you know, the fruit is mashed up. It's cut up. It's, it's mushed up. It's mangled. Uh, it's distorted. You know, as the kids say today, it's all jacked up. You know, it's just, it's just messed up. The Pharisees, they had jam. They had some fruit but it was in bits and pieces. They only wanted the bits of fruit that made them look good, but they disregarded the weightier matters, the, the things, all the rest of that. The, everybody say, Pharisees, just jam. They paid their tithes and they prayed and they fasted and disfigured their face so everybody would see how spiritual they were, but it was all for show. And they thought they were better than everybody else and they could impress God with their works. Jesus called them hypocrites. He said, you pay tithe of mint and anise and come in and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. The Pharisees were jam. Jam has fruit, but the fruit is all mashed up. It's just jam. You could come to church every Sunday and be as lost as a hound dog with a sinus infection. Amen. Can't find a rabbit if your life depended on it. Praise God. You can, you can do enough to keep the pastor off your back, and, and, and you can do enough to pacify the family, and outward everything looks good, but inside you're dying because you have no joy. You have no purpose. You have no real connection to the living water that is Jesus Christ, and you're just going through the motions. I know people, maybe there's folks here today that got your own problems, maybe secret issues that you're, you're just, you want to deal with, but you really don't come to grips with it. You ought to be accountable to somebody. You ought to be clean with God, but you're just afraid to what is that you've got some fruit but it's just bits and pieces and it's just jam just jam and let me just throw this in today i'm going to tell you something every one of us here has trouble with ourselves the biggest problem i have is the guy i look at the mirror in the mirror at every day my flesh is out to kill me romans chapter 8 verse 6 to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against god it is not subject to the law of god neither indeed can be the flesh is out to destroy you and your family and everything that you hold dear there's no way to manage something that's trying to kill you you have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. You have to either kill sin 
or sin will kill you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. The flesh is out to kill us all through addictions and, and, and pornography or all kind of addictions. Amen. The same Romans chapter 8 that I mentioned said, If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But it gives us hope. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. That word mortify actually from the Latin means mortal. It means to put to death, to destroy, to render extinct. It's where we get our English word mortician from the Latin mors and shun, the science of. Amen. It's kind of like other sciences. Musician is the study of music. Um, mathematician is the study of math. Tactician, physician, all of these are professional career so I can only assume that it is our job as the people of God to have a degree in killing our flesh our ego our ambition amen and if we don't study that and graduate from that we won't make it amen you say man this is strong preaching today because I want to preserve something in us today. I want to preserve something. I just don't want to be jelly. I just don't want to be jam, but I want to have the fruit inside. Amen. And I'll tell you how to do it. Romans 8 verse 10 goes on and to say, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. If it be the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You can't really overcome the flesh unless you have something, amen, that quickens your mortal body. Quicken means to cause to live by spiritual power to invigorate, to be endued with new and greater powers of life. Metaphorically speaking, it's talking about a seed that comes to germination and springs up and grows. So what Paul is saying is when you mortify your dreams and and your flesh, and your ambition, and your ego, amen, when you give up and die, in fact, the Bible says it like this, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, amen, and when we die, God can bring new life into us, hallelujah, amen, we can bring forth much fruit if we will die and let the Holy Ghost resurrect us with a new spirit, hallelujah, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things become new, you see, in the Old Testament, the priest would, you know, you'd have to you bring your, your sacrifice and, 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 you know, they killed it on the altar. But in the New Testament, we're to bring a living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice, at least for me, it keeps crawling off the altar. Amen. I still keep having trouble with me. That's why Paul says, I die daily. Amen. The only way we can really, really become new is through the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. And through every day, touching God and dying to our flesh. Amen. Folks who just in it for the show are just jam. Everybody say just jam. And then the third thing, preserves. I found out that preserves are actually whole pieces or slices of fruit 
Amen. Fruit that's in its original state. Chunks of goodness that is preserved through a special process. And it's the best way to make fruit last. Now, I'm not telling you not to eat jelly, you know, or jam. I may once in a while when, when in a pinch. It looks good. It smells right. And it tastes good. But I noticed when David was having one of those days, David didn't pray, Lord, jelly me. He didn't pray, Lord, jam me. But when times got tough and the battle was hot and his imaginations were running wild and everything in him was telling him to run away, David said, Lord, preserve me. Amen. Lord, preserve me. I want to tell you today, when you're in the middle of a battle and you need some real sustenance, uh, just a little chorus, happy, clappy shouting won't do it. Uh, Just a little bit of a devotional won't do it. Uh, You've got to get real with Jesus. You've got to get into the Spirit of God. You've got to dig into the Word of God. You can't survive with just a pretense of fruit. Uh, You don't need jelly. You don't need jam. You need some real, solid, uh, amen, fruit. Uh, That's not like baby food mashed up, uh, not mushed up, uh, but you need some sustenance. Uh, Jesus said, fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. Something that will last a while. Something that's going to sit on your stomach uh, for a while. Something that's going to endure. Something that's going to help you to make it after the meal is over. I need my spirit to Amen. To be full on Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. I need to preserve the fruit that God gives me in this altar. Amen. I need to preserve the word that God speaks to me. Because I'm going to tell you something. This world, this life will suck that out of you. Amen. You're bombarded by all kinds of images and things in your life. And and you can leave Sunday Jesus Church here in Watertown, South Dakota, or camp meeting or something like that. And you're all, you know, man, everything's great. You're nice and packed in with your friends and a nice loaf uh, sitting in your comfortable pantry and then on Monday somebody pulls you out and pops you in a toaster. And then you're heated up and burnt and then pop you out when they're done with you. And it's then when you're going to need the sweetening of the Holy Ghost to to spread on your life. Amen. God told me to tell you today, God's going to preserve somebody here in this place. God's going to give you some fruit that remains. You've been struggling with the cycle of things in your life. I want to tell you something. Let God speak to you today and the word that God gives you today, or maybe last week, or maybe in your prayer time, I believe that God is going to draw that to your remembrance when you need it. God is going to give somebody strength today that's facing a battle. God is going to preserve somebody that's going through the storm. He is going to keep you. The Bible says he is a refuge, a strong tower. Amen. He is able to keep that which I have, which he has given me unto that day. God's going to help you today. God's going to preserve you today. He's going to give you some strength. Amen. To go through uh, the battle. Praise God. You're not going to just be satisfied with jelly or jam, but God is going to preserve you. Praise God. I want to talk just briefly about this canning process. Pastor Brown was so kind as to help me today. I asked him if he had a, uh, a jar like you would use for the canning process. These are familiar, right? Amen. Everybody know what this is? A mason jar that you can. And in the south, we put sweet tea in this and just drink it by the gallon. But uh, it's actually for, uh, for, for canning. And so you have to start with a clean jar. That's repentance. Amen. 
we just got, you know, I'm so thankful that the Lord can wash us, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Hallelujah. Because it doesn't do any good. You have it all cleaned up on the outside, but Jesus can clean us on the inside. And then you have to take fruit has to be, uh, when you put it in the jar, you have to examine it. Uh, to be sure if it has bad places in it. If it's apples or peaches, you've got to peel it and core it. And if you see any rotten places, any bruises, you have to remove that because you don't want to preserve rottenness. Amen. David prayed in Psalms 138:23, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way. If there's any bruising. If there's any defect. If there's any corruption in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Paul said it like this. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith. Prove yourself. Sometimes we got to get in. We got to make an appointment with Dr. Jesus. And let him take a good long look at us. And I'll tell you this. A lot of times. He'll send the preaching of the Word of God. He will send your great pastor with a word, and the word can uncover some things in our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does that mean? The Word can shine a light in the dark crevices of your soul. Amen. And, and eliminate, some, uh, eliminate some things and eliminate some things because it's sharp enough to cut those things out before they're preserved. Amen. In fact, when Ephesians chapter 6 speaks about taking the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, that sword can be translated as a knife or a short dagger that can cut things out of us, amen, that does not need to be preserved, that will cause the fruit to spoil. Amen. I'm so thankful. If you ever feel like, man, pastor is just skinning me and cutting me up, thank God because that's a part of the preserving process. If you ever feel like, man, that word stings just a little bit, you better thank God because it may be some things that need to be cut out of our spirit. Amen. And then you take the lid, you put the lid on it, you get it all cleaned up, got a clean jar, you get the fruit to a certain degree there, and you put the lid on it. That is the start of the sealing process because when preserves are sealed, they're going to last a long time. And then you'll put that jar down in a hot pot of boiling water. Anybody ever felt like you're in hot water? <laughs> Amen. Amen. A lot of times we feel like, you know what, that hot water, boy, it, it burns germs and bacteria out of that fruit that might have, have been rem, you know, remaining in there uh, after that the fruit was canned because those things can't live through the heat. Sometimes God lets us go through hot, fiery trials, the Bible says, because some things need to be burned out of us. Amen. Some things need to be burned out of us. Amen. But it's going to be all right. He'll be with us in the trial. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice insomuch that you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. I think about the three Hebrew children that were put in the fiery furnace. God was in there with them, and the only thing the fire did to them was to burn off the things that had them bound. Amen. Praise God. 
There's a process. There's a preserving process. If you're in that today, thank God for it. Amen. But don't worry. God's going to go in the fire with you. Praise God. You won't be alone. you got your brothers and sisters here. you got your church. But most importantly, amen, you got the Lord that said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. He will show up in the fiery furnace with you. Because the three Hebrew boys stood for the Lord in their fiery trial, the Lord went into the fiery furnace and stood with them. And he'll stand with you today through that process. Amen. Now, you put the, you got, you got a clean jar. You, you, got, you got the fruit. It's all cleaned up. You start that. Maybe some trials. You have to go through some burning, you know, uh, burning that, all that out. But here's the deal. Another part of that hot water, you know, when, when, they, when they take the jar out of that cooking pot and they set them on the corner and those jars begin to cool down, an amazing thing happens. If it's sealed properly, you hear a pop. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. You hear a you hear a sound. And that's the sealing of that vessel. Ephesians 1 and 12 says, In whom you also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. You see, receiving the Holy Ghost, it just kind of puts a lid on things. It just kind of seals us so that that fruit can remain. Second Corinthians one twenty one says, Now he that establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. And you know what? If it doesn't make that sound, it didn't seal properly. Amen. And it won't last. The fruit will spoil. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But you can't tell where it's coming or, or where it's going. But so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The experience of the first disciples in Acts 2 and verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they made a sound. They popped with the joy that the Lord gave them. Hallelujah. There was a sound. Amen. Acts chapter 10, uh, down at Cornelius' house, Peter yet spake these words, uh, and the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they were all astonished because that the Holy Ghost was poured out on them. For they heard a sound. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The Jews, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when they received the Holy Ghost, they heard a sound. When the Gentiles In Acts 10, in Acts 8, in Acts 19, when they received the Holy Ghost, they heard a sound. When you receive the Holy Ghost, there will be, you will pop the joy of the Lord. Amen. There will be a ceiling. There will be a sound. And it will be from heaven. And it will be as the Spirit gives the utterance. You can't make it up. You can't mess it up. It's the Spirit filling and the sealing of the fruit and if the fruit is not sealed the hot 
son will spoil it. Uh, amen. And, and all the uh, influences and the environment in the world will spoil it. The exposure to the elements can ruin it. Uh, but if it is sealed with the Holy Ghost, uh, you won't spoil. Amen. Uh, praise God. Food won't keep by itself and neither do you. Uh, you need the power of the Holy Ghost uh, to seal up your life, uh, to seal up uh, your family. Praise God. To seal up uh, the things in your life that you're struggling with. Uh, to have fruit that remains. There's too much rottenness in the world. There's too much filth in the world. We need to be sealed by the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. I think there's about to be a pop. Amen. I think there's about to be a, somebody's been going through a battle. Amen. You've been in some hot water. But if you'll just yield yourself to the Lord today, there will be a sound. There will be a sound of victory. There will be a sound that you don't even know how to speak. But it'll come from somebody who's already won the battle. You don't fight for victory. You fight from victory. Oh, the Holy Ghost is here. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus cursed the fig tree, not because it wasn't a fig tree, but because it had no fruit. In other words, it had no life. Amen. You can't survive. Amen. We were built. We were created to live. We were created to walk with the Lord. Amen. We were created in the beginning. The Lord would come down to fellowship with man. Amen. And we lost that through sin. But I want to tell you something. This is a new day. It's a new day in Watertown for you. It's a new day in your family. If you can grasp a hold of this today, I know you might have been in some hot water. I know you might have been in a fiery trial, but it's just part of the process. Today, God is going to seal you. God is going to give you fruit that remains today. I don't know how you do it, but I'm just going to invite you to come down and pray. I'm going to give it over to Pastor Brown here in just a moment. But I feel like we ought to just stand together right now. Amen. I think we ought to just lift our hands and say, God, would you just seal me with the Spirit? Would you just bless me today? God, would you help me today? Would you just speak to my life? You know who's here today. You know what's going on in people's lives right now. You know, God, that.